Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is born, and Happy New Year once again. So we find ourselves in the midst of a festal season. In fact, a whole cycle of feasts, beginning with the nativity commemorated last week, the circumcision of Christ remembered yesterday, the baptism of Christ celebrated later this week, and finally, the dedication of Christ in the temple on the 2nd of February. These are all part of the same cycle and have as their overarching theme the fact that God has revealed himself to humanity. So this is a very joyful season in our church. And in particular, we find ourselves between the two feasts of circumcision, the circumcision of Christ, and his baptism. So I'd like to look today at the connection between these two, and their message relates to the epistle and gospel readings. So we'll trace the connection between these feasts and the scriptures to see what message they provide for us in this new year, how we can prepare the way to receive this revelation of God to humanity. So firstly, for the connection between circumcision and baptism. And for the, for the link between these two feasts, I'm indebted to American priest Father Stephen DeYoung, and in particular his most recent book, The Religion of the Apostles, or one of his most recent books. And circumcision, as practiced by the Jews, was the cutting off of a piece of the genital area of the Jewish male. And this, together with the eating of the Passover meal, marked a male as belonging to the people of God. Women belonged to the people of God due to their relationship with the circumcised males. Now, Father Stephen points out that the circumcision of the flesh was to embody the circumcision of the heart, which needed to be cut off from the world and its desires and temptations. So therefore, the, the extreme action of the cutting of the flesh, the, the violence even, was to be mirrored in our, or, or the people of God's, the ancient Jews, cutting off of, the, of themselves from evil. Now Christ comes to represent the fullness of this. In his death and resurrection, enabled, in the words of Father Stephen, the final cutting off of the world and its prince, the dark powers and the passions and the wickedness that had infested the creation. So circumcision was the type, and it was fulfilled in Christ. And we participate in this fulfillment and in this fullness through our baptism. Through baptism, we are cut off from the old, and we are united to the new, the new Adam that is Christ. St. Paul makes this connection between the circumcision of the old covenant and the baptism of the new in his letter to the Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, this was not merely an individual choice for the ancient Jews. Circumcision was related to the genital area because it was something that involved one's progeny, one's household. 
One's whole household was part of the people of God when the male was circumcised. In baptism, too, it's more than just an individual choice. We enter into community through this action where we all have a collective responsibility and a collective role. What is this role? Well, in ancient times, the role of the Jewish women who were part of the community of faith was to keep the home physically and spiritually pure. This was the, ch- the task that they were charged with. And the men were to ensure that they didn't bring sin into the home as they ventured out into the world. So we can understand what St. Paul means when he says that we are the church, the bride of Christ, the, the feminine aspect in this relationship. Father Stephen says that Christ has established the spiritual and material holiness of his house and his household members. He's like the Jewish male in the relationship. It is the responsibility of the church to protect and maintain that holiness because she is his bride. It is precisely in this sense that the church is spoken of in feminine terms. So at this turn of a new year, it is a good time to ask ourselves, how are we going with maintaining the holiness of his house, with keeping our own little corner in the house of the church clean? Let's turn to the epistle where we see St. Paul, who has pursued the path of holiness and godliness. And I believe this shows us ways to understand how we should view this life of holiness. And he uses some metaphors for his life as he reflects on his ministry in this letter that he writes late in his life prior to his martyrdom, as he writes to St. Timothy. He says, firstly, that he has fought the good fight. And this is a fight chiefly against the passions. And this is a constant theme throughout the New Testament, this idea of warfare, of fighting against our fallen nature. For example, in 1 Peter 2.11, St. Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. St. Paul uses another metaphor, that of finishing a race. And it's fairly common in orthodox spirituality to speak about our faith as a marathon rather than a sprint. A sprint lasts only a short distance. In a sprint, one's energy is totally expended. However, in a marathon, one aims to keep going. One is careful, one is measured. One is consistent, one is patient, one aims to go the long distance. This reminded me of something for the saint whom we commemorate today, Saint Seraphim of Sarov. A story is told that the mother of God used to visit him on a number of occasions, and she would walk out this particular trajectory on the grounds where Saint Seraphim lived. And what he did was he would take note of the path where she walked and he dug out with his own hands, he dug out this path to make a proper pathway so that he could walk in the footsteps of Mary, the mother of God and those who were with him and pilgrims who went to visit him. And I really liked that image. This is like us walking in the path of Christ 
and the saints. But the digging is in ourselves. We take note of their words. We take note of their lives. And we seek to emulate them. We seek to copy them. And it's like the the labor-intensive digging of a path that we might know the way and be able to walk on that way. To make the paths straight and to show other people around us these straight paths that lead to the divine life. Now, all these metaphors of fighting, running, digging, they take effort, they take attention, they take focus, they take planning and perseverance. Let's look now at the gospel reading, where we have someone who I believe embodies how we should approach these aspects of our spiritual life, St. John the Forerunner, who baptized Christ. And this is the reading always on a Sunday before the Feast of Theophany. The symbolism in the details of St. John give us some idea, I believe, of what we need for this journey ahead, this fight, this race, and they dovetail nicely with what we have seen so far in the epistle. So we have these curious details about St. John. Firstly, that he dressed in camel hair, which is a strange thing to say about him. Now, camels symbolize persistence, sticking to the journey. They traverse great distances across deserts. They store fat and water that they may use these things as they travel. So let's ask ourselves, how are we storing up resources for the year ahead? Especially if we have to traverse deserts. We don't know what 2022 is going to hold for us. Will there be further lockdowns? Will there be more time away from church? Will there be more restrictions that will make it challenging for us to gather as a community? How are we storing up resources to deal with these things? Such aspects could be making sure that we have good habits of prayer and reading the scriptures, connections with people, accessing the services of the church when we can, or doing what we know we need to do for our spiritual, our physical, emotional, and mental health. It is also said of St. John that he wore a leather belt or a leather girdle, and leather belts and belts in particular symbolize restraint, but also attentiveness and readiness. The priest actually wears a belt as part of his vestments. It's called the zone. And as he puts it on, he prays this prayer from the Psalms. He says, Blessed is God who girds me with strength and has made my way blameless now and forever into the ages of ages. Amen. In old translations of the Bible, like the King James Version, we find a curious phrase, to gird up one's loins. This is literally to tuck the folds of one's tunic into one's belt so one can move quickly. And we see this, for example, when Elijah runs ahead of King Ahab in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. Now, we also need to do something similar. And St. Peter provides a spiritual application where he writes in 1 Peter 1, again in the King James Version, to gird up the loins of your mind. He means by this to be attentive, to be watchful, to be vigilant over oneself. So let's ask ourselves, in what ways this year do we need to show a bit more restraint, 
a bit more self-control? In what ways do we need to be more vigilant and more careful over ourselves and how we uh, might tend to fall into sinful patterns? St. John's curious diet is provided for us in this gospel passage. Firstly, he eats locusts. Mmm. Locusts, whenever they turn up in the scriptures, are bad news. A plague has come. So the fact that he is eating these locusts shows an acceptance of evils or a turning of a bad situation into nourishment. So let's ask ourselves, how will we deal with the unfortunate events that befall us in this year? Will they stop our journey? Will they trip us up in our race? Will they stop our fight? Or will we see apparent disasters and calamities like having no priests on a Sunday morning as something that can nourish us spiritually and make these unfortunate situations work for us with our confident understanding that everything that happens to us happens as if from the hand of God himself. It is also said of St. John that he eats wild honey. And the Psalms describe the laws of the Lord as, as sweet honey. The scriptures, spiritual insights, spiritual teachings are represented by this. So what is the nutritious honey that we will feed on in this year? Maybe we need to read more of the Bible or more of the writings of the saints or their lives. Maybe we need to pay closer attention to the hymns of the church. One of the best spiritual books that I've bought is this one here, The Festal Meneon. This is a book that contains hymns for the liturgical year, especially for the feast days and the major saints' days for almost all the year outside of Great Lent. And it is mostly comprised of the hymns of the services of Matins and Vespers. So in these days when we don't have a church building, we're not able to pray the services we wish we could. We're not even even able to have the normal Vespers on a Saturday night or Matins on a Sunday morning that we otherwise would be praying. To be able to have a resource where we can access the rich theology of the church is a very worthwhile one for about 60 or 70 Australian dollars. So, you know, the price of a pair of jeans, a couple pairs of t-shirts, maybe going out for dinner. One can have all of these beautiful, rich, spiritually nourishing hymns that can help us in the year ahead. The final thing I think that we see with St. John is that nothing else is written of his lifestyle. He is stripped of anything superfluous. The poet Fernando Pessoa says that the higher a man rises up the scale, the more things he must relinquish. On the mountain peak, there is only room for that man alone. The more perfect, the more complete. The more complete, the less other he is. What is this other that we need to become less of? It is our sinful nature 
that we need to cut off. So let's ask ourselves, what do we need to be stripped of in this year? What weighs us down in this race? What gets in the way of our fight? What could we do without? Our sins, certainly. In the book of Hebrews 12, verse 1, we read, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. But maybe there are other things in our lives, habits that are not bad in themselves, but perhaps are not helping us in our walk with God. Maybe a couple hours of TikTok every day is not a bad thing in itself, but maybe it's not really the best thing for our spiritual lives. A TV series I saw recently is a slightly older one, Band of Brothers, based on a book of the same name, and it follows the experiences of a, of a group of paratroopers, American ones, during World War II, who fought in basically all the major battles in the closing years of the Second World War. And when they go into combat, they're wearing all kinds of things. Combat uniform, weapons, ammunition, supplies, canteen, first aid kit. But when they go on special missions... They take all these things off and they just have their basic combat uniform and a weapon and that's it. And I thought that was a great image for us. There are many things that perhaps don't serve us. We can do without them to help us focus on the one thing needful in 2022. To conclude, the real question this year is not will there be another lockdown? Will there be another variant Will I be able to travel to Europe like I plan to? Or will there be a change of government in the elections? But rather the question is, will I change? Will I strive to cut off my sins? Will I take seriously the call to holiness and do my part for Christ's bride, the church of which I am a part? No matter what resolution we may have for the year ahead, this is the best possible resolution we can make. And it's made possible for us because as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, as St. Paul says in Galatians 3. Now, some of our catechumens and participants in our foundation's course will be baptized and chrismated this coming Friday. More than merely an individual choice of theirs, they'll be joining our community, joining us in the trenches, joining us in the race in the digging of the path, and in the making of the way straight. Let's be there to welcome them. So this is what the twin feasts of circumcision and baptism signify for us, a cutting off, that we may be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, as St. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, that we may take on the forerunner's own ministry and role, to prepare the way for Christ within ourselves and to help prepare the way for others to receive Christ too. Because this is what's at stake, the receiving of the life of Christ himself. May it be so for us, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is born.
Christ, your true ornament of poor. 